So hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins, and uh, delighted to be joined by Yuka Kirihara. Uh, Yuka, a globalization strategy and localization leader. Uh, I know she's been helping teams to design and build software products, websites, marketing communications, content, uh, always with a global audience in mind. Uh, I know Yuka is currently working as the director of globalization services at a company called Scaled Agile, and we'll find out quite a little bit about those in a moment. Uh, she lives and based in New York, and I know is a big health and wellness fan as well. So Yuka, you're very welcome to today's show. Thank you so much, Simon. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on. I have a number of areas I, I would like to go through with you today. I mentioned Scaled Agile. And I know your, your career history today, you've worked at some large organizations in the past, some very big global companies. Could you maybe, for our audience, people listening and watching this episode, could you tell us a little bit about Scaled Agile and then maybe a little bit about your role for people that may or may not be familiar with it? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Scale Agile is actually a provider of SAFE. Uh, SAFE stands for Scale Agile Framework, and uh, it's really a framework for uh, building business agility. Um, we provide learning and certification products, and uh, we have a great you know, network of partners, and uh, we're operating over 50 countries. And um, actually, um, there are more than 1 million professionals uh, trained in SAFE. And uh, uh, you, be, you might be surprised by the statistics, but 70% um, uh, of Fortune 100 companies are already using SAFE. So we are really helping these like major corporations and government agencies practice SAFE uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and uh, yeah, so I joined Schedule team last year uh, to lead the globalization localization efforts. Um, globalization is a new endeavor at Schedule. So I'm basically building like everything from scratch, um, setting up the strategy in terms of like which markets to uh, you know go to and what content to localize. You know, setting up the teams and processes, technology. Uh, pretty much everything. Uh, so it's a really big initiative and a really exciting time to be Ask Agile. Well, listen, Yoka, thank you for that great uh, explanation about Scaled Agile. I hadn't realized that there was a million people involved mm -hmm. in that sort of that sort of movement, that it, that entity around the world. And also, how many, what was the percentage of the uh, the top companies that are already deploying it? You said seventy percent. Seventy percent. That's yeah, that's very you know, high. 14, yeah, hundred companies. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. huge. Um, but you also said that you're you're um, starting. It's sort of a new endeavor for them, is it? So mm -hmm. you're kind of building building everything, building the teams, the processes, everything from scratch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So since the inception. Um, Scale Agile framework has been so popular. So, yes. you know, the company was able to, uh, you know, become very successful with just English, you know, materials. Yes. But, you know, think about it, right? I mean, English <laughs> only materials, you can reach so much of the world population. Sure. I think you only have like, what, 20, 25% of the population, world population might speak English. So what about the rest of, you know, 80, 75%, right? right. right? So, yeah, so we'll have a much greater reach, you know, once we have a localized content. And I'm sure the million people that you mentioned already 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure that English is not the 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 sort of first language or mother exactly. tongue for a lot of those exactly. people. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so obviously you you've got your work cut out. You're, you've got a big task ahead of you uh, to really, I suppose, internationalize everything that this great company Scaled Agile has been doing. Right. Yeah. So, definitely. So I mean, it's great that you're doing that. It's great to hear about Scaled Agile. Uh, I don't envy the task because it sounds like there's a huge amount of work to do. <laughs> but let's go back then. So obviously you're in this role because of your experience, qualifications. So how did you get started in this industry when it comes to this interna- internationalization of, you know, to take a, a brand like Scaled Agile, a company that already mm-hmm. has a lot of international reach around the world and to really build that from scratch? How did you get started in that kind of work? Well, actually, I'm going back way, way back then. <laughs> so uh, since I was little, um, I was always fascinated by different cultures and uh, different languages. Um, I grew up in a very small town in Japan. So I had a very little exposure to non-Japanese stuff. I mean, Japan is very homogeneous, actually. So I really wanted to like um, experience something different. And I tried to like expose myself to anything that's English or foreign languages that I could get my hands on. Um, I even actually tried to listen to a radio station from American military base. I was playing with the radio and then I picked up this like, you know, signal from American military base. And I think it was called like a Far East radio or something like that. But it sounded so cool, you know, like I had no idea what they're saying, but, you know, I heard it and it was so cool. So I just listened to it. And um, yeah, even like during my teenage year, I used to uh, spend all my allowance money on like watching American movies and subscription to uh, Time magazine. I, I actually get the magazine delivered right from the United States so that I can look at the pictures. And then, you know, I had no idea, like I couldn't read it, but I was looking at the pictures and trying to get a sense of what's going on outside of Japan. So I really didn't care uh, what it was, but I just wanted to do something international. So that was my teenage years. And then um, I had this like miracle opportunity happen during my high school. Um, I was actually chosen to be an exchange student for a Rotary International program, and I came to the United States. So that was my first exposure to like really truly being in uh, um, you know, another country. And after that, uh, I went to uh, university here in the US and then major in computer science and linguistics. And at the time, I had no idea about localization, never even heard of the word localization. But looking back now, like that was actually a really a perfect combination to uh, prepare myself to be in a localization field. And uh, after that, um, I was really lucky to uh, have uh, many attractive offers from major corporations. Um, and it was really new back then. So, and then, uh, yeah. Um, the computer science major was really a hot commodity, you know, back then. Uh, but uh, I ended up taking the opportunity to work for a startup software company in a local area. And they were growing like crazy. And um, they had a very, very aggressive international expansion plan. So I basically built the localization program there. And then the rest is a history now. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Uh, what a story, Yoka. I'm, do you know, it's incredible. I, I love stories like that because, you know, I, I, I picture this, um, you know, you're in, you're in this uh, town in Japan 
you're listening to English radio. You're you're reading. Well, you're you're looking at the pictures in Time magazine because you couldn't actually understand the the text, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when I came here, I couldn't even speak English. <laughs> yeah, incredible, yeah. really. And of course, you know, um, the opportunities that that some somewhat came your way, but you obviously had to decide your career and your educational uh, journey. And then, you know, it, it's fantastic that you've the offers, I suppose, back then you talked about when you were a science major and you're coming out qualified and, you know, you've got a number of good offers from large global organizations. And of course, uh, that helps, but also working in that startup growing like crazy environment that you mentioned, there's also great learnings in that world, too. Yeah. Um, so obviously, now with all your expertise from both the, the startup world and the scaling world and working with those very, I know you worked at a very large global corporate company as well, um, with huge international reach, obviously, all that wealth of knowledge and expertise is going to be coming through in your uh, new endeavor at Scaled Agile. So that's that's brilliant. When you look back over that career, you know, back from the, the early days of looking at the pictures in Time magazine to what you're able, you know, what you do today with your career and the kind of responsibility and growth that, you, that you're looking at in front of you. What do you think has been your career defining moments when you look back? Like what are the things that you look back on uh, with fond memories or the biggest learning opportunities or... Yeah, so um, if I took the, you know, one of the offers from like other companies, like I wouldn't be doing localization right now. Like I'll be working as a like a developer or like, you know, something in like IT position, you know. So, you know, that would be like completely different path. And um, when I was studying at the university, I actually wanted to be a computational linguist. Uh, linguist, you know, uh, that's why I major in computer science and linguistics. And if I stay with the path, like I would have been like working on like developing uh, algorithm for machine translation right now, you know. So that's, I guess, that's still kind of related to localization, but you know, that's completely different path. And then all, and you know, that really didn't happen either. <laughs> but um, anyway, I had, you know, I had like a lots of different bosses uh, over the years. And uh, I learned so much, you know, from each manager, but almost like all of them kind of encouraged me to do something different than localization. Uh, so when I was part of engineering team, like they would you know, tell me like, oh, you know, you should really switch your career to development or QA or like more like mainstream engineering position. And I was even told that there's no career path for localization. You know, like I was like really devastated, you know, <laughs> and many times I even consider like doing something different, you know, but, but I really loved like what I was doing and I simply just couldn't think of doing something else. So it's like, you know what, I'll just build a career path for myself, you know, oh, <laughs> you know, if you want something, you just kind of have to go after it. Right. So no one will do it for you. So I was like, all right, I'll write my own job description. A job description, you know, and then uh, so that's the lesson that I learned. And uh, yeah, so I got myself, um, you know, managing the uh, corporate localization department and I became a director. <laughs> yeah, fanta fantastic. And it is incredible, though, that even I mean, you don't have to go back a long way uh, to discover that a lot of in, a lot of big brands that we know today, they weren't very sophisticated 
in their global approach, particularly mm -hmm. when it comes to the world of language, linguistics, and making sure that their brand sort of resonated culturally around the world uh, correctly in the, with the mm -hmm. right target audiences. Um, and it, it kind of, it's changed quite a lot, hasn't it? And, and yeah, probably it has, definitely. Yeah, localization is extremely strategic, you know, function. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not just translation. It's very, very strategic, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, some people even just thought it was a cost center years ago mm -hmm. now now it's a strategic driver isn't it strategic yeah leverage. strategic yeah. driver and it's enabler yeah critical yeah. piece yeah for international operations yeah definitely yeah so when you think about things like you know we often hear and there's often discussions about agile localization mm -hmm. um when it comes to the sort of the world that you're living in now and this sort of way of operating that you want to work in in the new uh, organization what do, mm -hmm. when, you, when you think about agile localization and how you go about things now, what does that mean to you, Yoka? Yeah, so um, originally, um, looking back now, I was trained in Scrum, like back in 2007. So I've known Agile for quite a long time, um, but I work for Agile now, so my understanding of Agile has changed quite a bit. Um, prior to working at Agile, uh, to me, um, Agile localization was more like synonymous to CDP, like continuous delivery pipeline or continuous localization, like basically like automating, a, you know, file handoffs and getting the files translated very quickly and continuously and, you know, keep doing that updates. And then that's what I used to think of it. And then uh, that's what I used to do, you know, in uh, uh, previous companies. Uh, but now I work for probably the uh, most agile company in the world. <laughs> My perception has changed. Um, agile is really all about a way of working, like including like values and principles and practices, you know, so, so it's way beyond tech and processes, you know, like the traditional project management, like tend to focus on like task management or task completion. But new way of thinking is more value-driven. And particularly, I'm talking about economic value and maximizing customer value. So like everything you do really should have like hypothesis statements and acceptance criteria. So like what value are you creating by doing this particular task? You know, what must be delivered in order to create value for your customer? It's all value driven, right? So when you answer, when you can answer these type of questions, you know, like things started to make sense. So yeah, so that's how we practice safe as agile. Like everyone practices safe and agile. So um, agile is not really just for product development team, like marketing, like HR, like legal, like finance, like everybody practice uh, agile and safe. So of course, localization is not an exception. And uh, we plan and execute in iterations and we do demos and retro in certain cadence. And we always work with like small batches and deliver working products. You know, we ask for feedback and measure the outcome. And based on the outcome, we decide to pivot or persevere by like, doing all of these, right? Like you are being agile and you can adjust to new demands and changing circumstances or requirements and very quickly so that you can stay current and competitive. So agile is really a new way of working. 
Uh, do you know, I love that, Yoka, because often in, in the language uh, area, you get very quickly, you end up with a continuous delivery type discussion. Um, but it's, it's very interesting to see your perspective on that in terms of the, the economic value of agile and also mm -hmm. the value, uh, the values around mm -hmm. an agile way of working. And uh, it was great when you said, um, I probably work in the world's most agile company now, because it's almost as though you've got the whole agile package now. Um, yes. And it's yes. all coming together, you know, and that, yeah. that that sort of benefit to the customer and the benefit to the, you know, uh, the, the global audience and the benefit to the company. And yeah, uh, it's great to hear it put into that context, uh, as opposed to just thinking of it maybe in a one or two ways uh, from mm -hmm. purely a language industry perspective, you know. Right. Yeah, it's very comprehensive, actually. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. And in terms of then when you look at it, obviously you're in this safe, agile world now. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the opportunities to improve localization, whether it's from a process perspective or a structural perspective, um, what, what do you think are some of the big opportunities, whether it's at Scaled Agile or just at the industry at large, mm -hmm. uh, to improve localization processes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess that's a kind of like really a broad question and, um, you know, um, what you may want to focus or improve, you know, might be different depending on, uh, you know, your own situation or the, you know, um, the company's uh, maturity level, you know, for your localization program, you know, might be all different uh, there, but, um, but I would say like the biggest opportunity is to get invited to a dinner party. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, it's always common to hear, right, that the localization is an afterthought, you know, like they get involved at the very end, right? So typically localization team gets to join the party after the main meal is served, you know? And here I'm talking about main meal being uh, development of the English product, right? And then uh, localization team, maybe get to have dessert or just coffee you know, at the end because they're so involved, you know, they get involved so late. <laughs> but what if like localization was able to have appetizers with the team, right? Meaning influencing design and UX, right? And what if eating the main meals, uh, main meal, the main course together with the team, right? Well, it's even better if you are invited to plan for the dinner party itself meaning developing strategy, you know? So make sure you get invited to dinner party planning, right? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and you can tell that I love to eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Yoka, because you're right. And a lot of times you'd hear that a particular company or a product launch, it's kind of, the, it's all developed in one, you know, with one particular group of people. They look mm -hmm. at the you know, does it work? There's a lot of technical input, et cetera. And then at the end, there's a realization, well, hang on, we need to sell this internationally. Right, right. Yeah, and it's you too late, you know. Too yeah, late you retrofit it, yeah. right? Uh, as yeah. opposed to what you were talking about earlier, which was this, if it truly is this strategic driver, mm -hmm. which we know it is, right? you need to have that conversation at the very beginning of the idea, exactly. not just exactly. at the end. So that's yeah. that's the dinner party, right? You need to be exactly. there at yeah. the very start. Um, right, yeah. 
Now, that's a great observation, actually. And you, you're right to point out, of course, that it depends on the circumstances, depends on the, the, the opportunity, depends on the organization. But there is a huge, there is, there's still huge learnings in making sure that people mm-hmm. integrate this discussion as part right. of the ongoing process and not just have it as that, as you say, that retrofit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you are really being proactive, you know, you can plan, you know, plan for like any kinds of dietary restrictions or, you know, you might have to start gluten free or like, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, you can like really accommodate that. And then uh, each country situation might be very different, you know, then we may have to address like, you know, laws and regulation for particular regions and stuff like that. Like if you don't think about all those things up front, you know, you, you are dealing with the showstopper issues, you know, later on. So, yeah. So it's really important to be, you know, included as part of the planning. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, Yuka. So I mentioned when we started talking today that obviously you, you're, you're, a, you're a strategic globalization, localization leader, right? You're an expert in your field. And I'm sure you've, you've, you've mentored many people along the way. Uh, but if, you know, going back to that person uh, who's not in, not in the language industry that didn't even speak uh, English and was looking at pictures in a magazine, uh, Time magazine, because they couldn't understand the text and tuning into English speaking radio just to try and understand uh, that a different culture. Um, if you were talking to somebody today, though, in their environment, uh, you know, in this sort of fast paced, moving world, connected global planet that we live in, what advice would you give to somebody today who's looking to get into or get started in, in a similar sort of industry? Because you you mentioned earlier, I just had to write my own job description. And I just had to start doing things. Um, what would mm-hmm. be your advice today? Yeah, so I guess for people who are just starting out, um, I would say um, find your passion and go after it. Um, and if you don't know what your passion is, take the time to figure it out <laughs> uh, because you don't want to be in the wrong, <laughs> you know, wrong place because, you know, you want to enjoy your life, right? <laughs> so um, you can really expose yourself to different areas and uh, until you find your calling. There's like so much resources out there. You can learn so much, you know, even thanks to, you know, internet, right? <laughs> So, um, so yeah, definitely take the time to figure it out. And uh, also, like, I think this is a really old saying, but like, do what you like and, you know, money will follow later, you know. Um, and I think it's true, because if you're doing what you like, it doesn't seem like a job, and you can really put your energy into it, you know, like a day goes by so fast, because you're just enjoying what you do, you know. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> you are actually excited to get up, not really dragging yourself to get out of the bed. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, but, you know, um, I think you really have to remember that uh, you are the driver, you know, you are in the driver's you know, seat, you know, in your own career and your life. And uh, you have to drive and steer the car, you know, and then if you're lucky and if you uh, have a great mentor, you know, it will really accelerate your growth and uh, mentor, mentor can really kind of like, you know, help you like avoid the obstacles, like, oh yeah, there's something coming out, you know, watch out. Um, but, you know, he or she, the mentor is not really um, 
uh, not gonna really drive the car for you. You know, they are more in, like in a passenger seat. So um, yeah, if you can find a mentor, um, I think the journey is a lot more fun uh, because you know you have a partner on the ride. You know, rather than like driving the car yourself. Well, that's that's lovely, and um, it's interesting because. It, you mentioned earlier as well that you, you had many good bosses along the way and people that you worked with that gave you advice. But even during that advice, there were times where you were, somebody said to you, oh, there's no future, there's no career in localization. And yet, because you had that passion, that desire, mm -hmm. uh, so it was a combination. It's a combination of sort of mentors, people to help you along the way, but also, as you say, taking the time to decide what direction you want to go in and something that you enjoy too, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I spend a lot, a lot of you know time with my team. You know, like really helping them. You know, shape their career, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's really rewarding to uh, to really you know see see all of them progress. You know, over time. So yeah, so it's it's a very. Well, I I, I think I I'd be fairly confident that if you'd have chosen the other path and you were writing the algorithms and the AI for machine translation, it would be just as good. So just as I, good, but I, don't, yeah. I think I'm too social to be a developer, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, listen, um, before, I know we're coming towards the end of our time here, and we've kind of, we've kind of touched on a lot of things. It, it, it's been great. I just wanted to also mention the fact that uh, you've also been a, a judge uh, mm -hmm. for the Think Global Awards, and I wanted to just thank you publicly to thank you for your help and support with the Think Global Awards, because we've actually just, at the time of recording this, we've just wrapped up on year five of entries for the Think Global Awards, and it's actually grown again for the fifth year. We're just extremely uh, happy and, and humbled by how, how well it goes every year, it just continues to grow. And I know you've been a, a big supporter of the, the Think Global Awards, uh, and the fact that you've also joined one of the previous year uh, judging panels but I wanted I wanted to ask you if I can a little bit about you mentioned you've worked with a lot of the team and you try to help a lot of the team along the way and to some small degree that's what we're trying to do with the Think Global Awards to recognize sort of people and organizations who you know think globally and maybe think a little bit differently but I just wondering do you, do you think those are really important initiatives or should we be doing more of those as an industry uh, because it's to some degree, as you say, back to that afterthought rather than being at the main dinner party. What's right. your view on that as a, as yeah, a, pr a yeah. prior judge? <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely important. I think this is a really great initiative. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be uh, able to contribute as a judge in the previous year. So thank you for the invitation. Um, so yeah, when you think about awards like this, you know, people might think like, oh, you have to be in like a big tech company to win, you know, but that's not always true. You know, like if you're like, let's say startup company and you're super innovative and you're thinking globally, right, right from the get go, you have a fair chance to win, you know. So the nomination is really open globally. So you are truly competing at the global level. So that's really, really exciting. And uh, it's a tremendous honor to win an award like this. And it's just really, really amazing recognition. So that really moves you really, really far. Um, 
And by the way, Simon, I was actually supposed to attend a war ceremony back in uh, April 2020, and due to COVID, you know, I had to cancel the flight. So I still have the voucher, actually, fly voucher, uh, and I need to use it before the ticket expires. So can I attend a war ceremony? Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I think I, I've got a. I, I hate to say, it, Yoko, but I think the award. Well, we announced the shortlist in February 2022, mm -hmm. and we'll be announcing the winners in April 2022. I hope we can do them in person, but I kind of feel as though we'll probably have to do them virtually again this year. Okay. Um, but of course, you're, you're definitely on the VIP list, so don't worry. All right. Um, the Thank Think you. Global Forum, actually, <laughs> with the awards came out of the Think Global Forum, and I know you're a, a forum executive with the Think Global Forum, but the last in-person event was well over a year ago now. We had to, we did it in Amsterdam just as COVID was kicking off and we had to mm -hmm. shut down and move everything virtually. So last year we did a week-long Think Global Forum Summit and uh, we actually did a Think Global Forum very, very recently talking about world UX and the importance mm -hmm. of UX uh, for, for a lot of organizations. So okay. uh, the Think Global Forum and the Think Global Awards continues to go from strength to strength, albeit in this hybrid uh, online world but we, right. we you know yeah, we're very much reality, hoping right? to get back to seeing each other again in person Yucca. it would right. be it would yeah. be wonderful um, yeah definitely so look before we wrap up i just wanted to say uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience whether it's about the, the industry that we're in or about scaled agile or anything that we maybe haven't touched on so far yeah so uh, maybe i'll uh, share a very simple um very, very simple, easy tool uh, with you today. <laughs> I do this every year in December um, and uh, I find it very, very useful. So, you know, I'm gonna share it. Uh, it's called uh, What's on Your Radar? And uh, it's one of the uh, design thinking techniques. And I've been doing this for uh, several years now. So uh, what you wanna do is first uh, you take a blank sheet of paper like this and you would draw a big circle on the paper and then you draw another circle inside of the big circle and then you draw another circle inside of the second circle so now you have three circles uh, within and then what you want to do next is you put what's most important for you to accomplish in a center circle, the tiny circle. So the circle is tiny, so you're only gonna have like one or two things that you can put in. And then out of the circle, you're gonna put second most, most important things you wanna accomplish. And then the third out of the circle, which is a, you know, the farthest one out, you're gonna put the third most important things. And when you do this, and you know you want to basically <laughs> put it up on the wall and then you know review it and then track your progress and all that but uh, what's really important is that you visualize what you want to accomplish and once you put it on the paper and visualize it's a lot easier to put it into action and then um, um, you have to also share this radar with your family members or friends uh, you can even do it with your team too um, so once you share that with your family and friends, right, they're going to check up on you like, hey, you know, did you work on an item that you had on your radar? <laughs> so that kind of, you know, uh, they'll make you kind of like hold you accountable, right? So 
so it's a really great exercise. I mean, you can even start to create like a different dimensions. Like, you know, you want to make some progress around like health or finance or relationship or even like a vacation target, you know? So, uh, so I love, you know, doing this visualization on what's on your radar. And then um, you'll be really surprised like how much you can accomplish once you put it on paper. <laughs> so, so I do this every December. So I just wanted to, uh, yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. I've actually just, just sketched three circles as you've been talking. All and, right. Uh, is there any, I just want to make sure I'm getting the rule. Is there any restrictions on how many I can put in each circle? Or is well, it you have to, to have... be able to put it, the key is you have to put it in the circle. Yeah. Right? That's why, you know, that's uh, the center. The smaller one small. is the most so, important. So, so there's less really, in that one. Yeah, prioritize yeah. what's most yeah. important. So you can put like one or two things, right? Because like, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Write a tiny, tiny thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> you cannot yeah. fit that many. So, yeah. I love that. And then you've got this radar about your, mo your first most important thing, second and third mm -hmm. in right. these sort of circles. Yeah, brilliant. Really good. A simple exercise and something that helps you keep visually focused on, on what's important, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much indeed for sharing that, Yucca. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege yeah. once again to to talk to you and to, to see you, albeit virtually uh, via the uh, the wonders of the internet. I, yeah. I, I do wish you the very best. It sounds like you've got a, a lot of exciting times ahead at Scaled Agile and an awful lot of work to do when it comes to... Uh, building out that new sort of development function teams people so yeah. continued success with everything you do yoka yeah i really appreciate that thank you so much and uh thank you so much for having me it was uh i had a great time thank you simon me, me too thank you very much the pleasure's all mine so look that's the end of today's show with yoka kirihara uh, please make sure to tune in again well, once again we hope to be talking to more interesting people uh, from all around the world thanks a lot yoka really appreciate that 